And today, I am continuing in our series that we're teaching on our culture pillars here at the Church of Grace and Peace. And uh, really, the, the whole covering title is Living Inspired, right? So all these things that we've been talking about, all these attributes work together to help us enjoy an inspiring culture, a Holy Spirit, God-breathed uh, culture in the kingdom of God. And so before I dig into my topic today, which is excellence, um, I think we should really understand that all these, all these ideas, all these truths, all these things from Scripture that we have put in place, Pastor Jim has put in place for us to look at and, and hold our vision together, they work together. They support one another. They overlap. They interlock. And so maybe we could say it this way. I wrote a couple of sentences that help us see how they can complement one another. Our accountability should be done with honor and excellence, having a growth mindset with a great attitude and service toward one another. Makes sense, right? They all support one another. They uphold one another. Or we could say that our attitude should be to honor and serve one another as we strive for excellence, growing in every area as we hold each other accountable. See how nicely they fit together? Are you here this morning? So this is how we should be viewing these topics. And so to define excellence in our leadership culture, uh, leaders go first. We try to model and embody and embrace and live out what we're teaching to the body. And then we, we pray that the culture in our body embraces those things too. For, for those pillars to be present, excellence can't stand alone. In fact, the most important thing to remember about excellence is feeling number one, excellence needs context. What do I mean by that? Well, did you know that bodybuilders aren't typically great Olympic swimmers? Arnold Schwarzenegger versus Michael Phelps. Do you know these two? Arnold wouldn't do so good in the pool against Michael Phelps, and Michael Phelps is not built like Arnold. And so what is the context? One of them is an excellent bodybuilder. One of them is a world-class swimmer. Did you know Olympic sprinters aren't great marathoners? And vice versa. You can be the fastest person in the world at 40 meters, or you can be the fastest person in the world at 42 kilometers, but you're not going to be both. And so excellence has a context. It takes a specific path. It, it, it comes out in specific ways. Did you know that the goal... In saving a drowning victim, if you're a lifeguard, isn't to ensure their personal comfort. Oftentimes, the lifeguard has to disable the flailing victim to get them to shore because they will knock out the lifeguard and they'll both drown. So you might be sore from the chokehold, but you're going to be alive when it's all said and done. And so excellent Personal comfort is not the goal when rescuing someone from the ocean. Is anyone understanding this? Excellence needs context. Excellence needs context. Mozart, how many of you know Mozart? Probably one of the most prolific, famous classical composers of all time. He was a musical genius, but did you know his personal life was a train wreck? He just lived a, a messy life of debauchery and couldn't handle his finances, yet his church, his music in the church was some of the most worshipful, most well-crafted, 
And so because excellence needs context, in the kingdom of God, we wouldn't encourage you to live a scandalous life so that you can have the music of Mozart. Is this making sense? There's a context to be understood here, to be gleaned here. It might be real easy for us to think that excellence is only about what we see. If I see a world-class athletic performance or an actor's performance, a moving Oscar-winning performance, a painting that just takes your breath away, or a sculpture, or maybe it's a great team that inspires you, or, or a, perhaps, can I get a witness, a business like Chick-fil-A? That's excellence, customer service, food, everything, expediting of the product. Many of us seem to know when something's being done with excellence. It kind of just says, wow, this is excellent. But I have met a few people that it doesn't seem to register. But for, for most of us, I think we all know, when someone gives you good customer service, when a facility is neat and clean, understand. So excellence does show up as an external reflection. We don't want to discount that. We don't want to say that it isn't something that we can see and notice. In fact, the writer of Proverbs, he speaks of going by a property and he says, I went by the field of a lazy man. Well, how does he know that this person was lazy? He draws the conclusion because the condition of the property, the wall was broken down, thorns had grown up, so this was someone who was supposed to be taking care of their property, and they weren't. And so you would say, well, that's not a very excellent example of the property, of the vineyard. And so we can't say that externals don't matter. However, we're going to run into an issue. And the issue is this. How good is good enough? Who decides the standard? Whose level are we supposed to live up to? So beyond all those things that we seem to be able to recognize as, as excellence, I think the Lord might want us to see some things that aren't so obvious, maybe some things that excellence isn't. And I believe he wants to take us there today if we're, if we're all pulling on heaven and wanting to hear from that. And that's why, again, I'm going to emphasize feeling number one, that excellence needs context. It's all about the context. And so today, I'm going to narrow the context for us, but in narrowing it, I'm also going to give us, I think, the freedom and the flexibility to see how there's actually a wide road for us to all be excellence if we look at it this in the right way. So the, the context I want to put it in is, and the title of my message is, The Way of Excellence in the Kingdom. Because why do we want the world's excellence? We want kingdom excellence. Today we're going to hear the way of excellence in the kingdom. Why is, this is, why is it so important? Because if it's up to our tastes, my personal taste, my background, my upbringing, the way my dad raised me, or my gifts, or my lack of gifts, you know, we're never going to agree. Churches have split over things like what color the carpet is. And uh, that's just a disagreement over what's excellent. Do you realize that? Here's a great example, and some of this might be revelation to some of you, and I'm praying that it is. Help our pastoral staff. When a church is small, the pastor can do everything. Remember when it was small, Maureen? <laughs> did you do everything? <laughs> no, Pastor Walt did. <laughs> <clears throat> 
But when the church grows, the pastors need to start specializing in areas. They need to delegate. They need to release people to do ministry. See, what was excellent at 25 people is not excellent at 400. You're doing the same thing you did at 25 at 400. It's not excellent. You're not helping that the church isn't going to grow. In fact, it's going to shrink back to 25. Excellence needs context and it needs to scale. It needs scalability for us to define it. Get this, as things grow, as God gives increase, as resources change, we have to adjust our expectation. We have to adjust our effort to achieve excellence. Aristotle said that we are what we repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence is not so much an act, but a habit. It's a habit. We're starting to get, I think, to the place where God wants us to understand here. And so one way for us to come to the same place, understanding of excellence, is to come up with a statement that's going to scale with context. Are you still with me? And we have a statement here. We use this statement here in our leadership, and I hope uh, that the congregation begin to embrace this and, and operate in this too. So fill in number two is excellence is doing the best you can with what you have until you can do better. One person famously said it this way, do what you know to do until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. How dangerous is it for us when we know better and we don't do better? To him who knows to do good and does not, what does the Bible call that? Sin. So that definition that we're working with, it's a good definition of excellence and it's a great frame, framework. But even if we were to agree that that would be our definition, it needs further clarification. The who, the what, the where, the when, the how. These are all important for us to do. What are we doing? Who are we doing it with? So for example, if our vision as a church, some of you are going to be, praise God, it isn't that, but hang on with me here for a second. If our vision as a church was to reach and appeal primarily to inner city teens who live in the skater culture and listen to death metal music, we're probably not doing a good job at that. Would you agree? That is not our focus. You see any of those people around here lately? No. So maybe if we wanted to form a ministry that targeted that, that would be our example, right? No, our, our vision here is much broader than the death metal skater. They're welcome here. If you're out there, come, we'd love you no matter what. Our vision is broader, it's corner to corner, it's multi-generational, multicultural, multi-socio-economical, focusing on ministry to the whole family, and there are reasons why we do all these things. And there's reasons why the worship is a certain style because it's who God has brought us in our midst and it's who he wants to use, right? There's reasons why we dress the way we do. There's reasons why we believe what we do. And those are all the qualifiers for excellence in our culture. So with such a multifaceted vision, with all those things, how can we define the way of excellence in the kingdom of God in our context. And I think God's word is clear and this will help us be all on the same page after we leave here today. First Corinthians, let's look over there. Chapter 12, verse 31. In the NIV, 
Paul writes to the church, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. The New Living Translation says it this way, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Hey, it's great that all these gifts are happening. That's awesome. That's the end product. But if you're not following this way, what good is it? Strong's uh, Greek here, looking at this word way that he's talking about, hold on, it's a way, it's a road, it's a journey, it's a path. By implication, a progress, doing the best you can until you can do better, or a mode or a means. And then the word excellent here that he uses in the Greek is hyperbole, and from hyperbolo, which is where we get the word hyperbole, which we know means to exaggerate, but it means excess, surpassing, excellence, preeminence, exceedingly. So we're starting to see this picture of excellence not so much as a product, but as a way, as a way. Paul used a different word in Philippians 4, 8 for excellence, and I love that this word is here too in the new, uh, NIV, New International Version. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is that admirable, if anything is, there's our word, excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If we look at the Greek word here for excellent, it's arete, and that is goodness, a gracious act, virtue, uprighteous. So now let's take these two texts, these powerful truths from Scripture, and put those together. We can see that excellence is more than a finished product. It isn't, in fact, the end, but it's the way. Fill in number three, excellence is more than a result. Excellence is a way. Excellence is a way. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a path or way before each person, that's me and you, that seems right, but it ends in death. See, there's our way and there's God's way. Guess whose way is excellent? God's way, not ours. You know, you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. You can be an excellent breadwinner as a mother or father. You can be an excellent business person, excellent uh, social media champion, whatever it is, and you can neglect your family. And that isn't excellent to God. See, God's way is higher than the things of this material world. Matthew 7, 14, Jesus says to us, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. We could say excellence in the world is easy to see. It's easy to identify. We've talked about that. But excellence in the kingdom is a total different matter. It's a whole different deal. I would say it's an even harder pursuit, even than the disciplines in the natural world. I'm a disciplined guy. I like to do routine. I like to work out. I, I'm a musician. I like to practice my horn. Uh, but you know what's harder than those things? Loving my neighbor. Yeah. yeah. Doing the things Jesus said to do that are excellent. That's hard. And that's why he says very few take that way. It's easy to go the wide way, the way of the world. It's harder to go this way. 
Matthew 6, Jesus said, But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. So let's get to the heart of it. This way that Paul wrote about, the more excellent way is the way of love. It's 1 Corinthians 13. It's all about the way of love. If, if love is the excellent way, then as believers, if you and I are called to follow Christ in the way, and we're called to have a higher call in our pursuit of excellence, then we're constrained to that call. We're constrained to pursue that in our pursuit of excellence. So it becomes more than just, hey, are we doing right things? Are we getting the results done? Is the music great? Is the parking lot paved? Is our, our facilities awesome? No, not just are we doing right things, but are we doing things right? Are we doing right things and are we doing them right? See, you might get results, but if you abused people, if you create a toxic culture, if everything that follows you is strife, confusion, then you might have done some right things, but you didn't do them right. So, Fill in number four, excellence does the right things in the right way. Excellence does the right things in the right way. If excellence is a way, and it is God's way, then excellence can be defined simply as God's way. If I want to do it God's way, if I want to do something excellent, I want to do it God's way. And so then if we say excellence in our culture, in the kingdom, is about God, then that means probably some of the things we might have thought about excellence aren't true. That means excellence might not be some things that we have thought they were. Can we look at those? Feeling number five, excellence isn't perfection. That should be a huge relief. It's not even striving perfection. You know what? You're not perfect. Newsflash, I'm not perfect. You know who is God? He's the only perfect one. See, if we say that excellence is perfection, then we're going to create this culture that's very tense, very high performance driven, competition, unrealistic expectations will be placed on people and you're going to frustrate one another. And in the worst case scenario, it's just going to frustrate us from working together in collaboration and in unity. That leads us to our next understanding in here, fill in number six, excellence isn't about performance. It's not all about performance. I'm, I didn't say performance doesn't matter, the end result doesn't matter, but it's not about it. It's about having a heart to do it God's way. That is so important. It's about having a heart to do it God's way. If we focus on effort instead of results, effort instead of performance, and if we, if we focus on pursuing vision, our goals, and on pursuing unity, and our culture pillars, this culture of an inspiring culture we're talking about, then we're going to measure our progress as God leads and as God grows and as God takes us where we want to go. And so then our questions can become, are we serving the vision? Not are we doing it my way, are we, are we performing? Are we serving the vision? Are we serving one another? Hello? Are we healthy as a culture? 
Are we hearing God's voice? You know, that takes everyday listening. Are we declaring God's word? Come on. So when we declare God's word, we extend faith, and then here's something beautiful that happens. God said he will watch over his word to do what? Perform it. So excellence is watching God perform his word, not us try to perform it. If the way of love is leading, then it is excellent. Number seven, excellence isn't tied to your ability. It's about God's ability. Excellence isn't tied to your ability. It's not tied to my ability. It's about God's ability. Did you know we have nothing that God didn't give us? Did you know it's God who gives you power to get wealth? Did you know it's God who's in you both to will and do according to his good pleasure? Did you know that we serve at his pleasure? When it's his will and his way, it'll be excellent. I know sometimes we might get frustrated. Why are you doing it that way? God, why did you choose that particular person or that strategy or that path? But we can celebrate that it's his way and then we don't have to make a big deal about ourselves. We don't have to have an Oscar show for our great works. Let's go to number eight. Excellence isn't about your way. So seven, it was not about your ability. Eight, it's not about your way. It's about obedience to God's way. Did you know our way was leading us to death? Our way is the way of sin. Our way is the way of selfishness. Our way is the way to fulfill the flesh. Our way is to choose what we want. But God's way always leads to life. God resists the proud, as a matter of fact. He resists your way. When his way is involved... Then together, this is important, church. I hope you're listening today. And if you don't get all this, I just want to let you know, all of our messages are on the website. You can listen to the podcast. You can go back. The notes are on there. And just a personal note for me, I put my exact sermon notes on there. So you can literally look at exactly what I'm reading from today, if that's helpful to you. Because uh, some things we don't get the first time. Go back and, and dive in again. So... Praise God. So get this, this get, get this. When we get involved in God's way, we discover this beautiful phrase we have around here called the genius of the and. Now, the tyranny of the or says there are certain situations where you can only do this or this. But doing things God's way says we can have quality, excellent music and flow with the Spirit. It's the beautiful thing. Some people say you only have to, cho- you have to choose one. You can't really be good. And No, we say we're going to have both because we're doing this God's way. Do you know we can plan this service down to the second and still be flexible to change if the Holy Spirit comes and says do something different? But we don't neglect our planning because the Holy Spirit's going to do something. It's the, it's the genius of the and. Do you know we can have all kinds of different gifts on staff? We can have strategic people. We can have exhorters, both working together in beautiful harmony. We can have introverts and extroverts. Let's hear it for all the introverts out there. Who's team introvert? All right, we're outnumbered. Extroverts, extroverts. <laughs> 
see, they have to scream and make a big deal. It's, that's right. <laughs> uh, and there's everywhere in between. How many ambiverts do you have? Woo! The genius of the end. Do you know we can have a Hispanic and an English culture together? Did you know we can have senior saints and teenagers all in one con all congregation doing things God's way? So now that we got some of those, maybe these things aren't excellent. I think we need a statement that even further refines what excellence is for us. We know that excellence is doing the best we can and with what we have until we can do better, but I think we need to clarify it even further. And filling number nine says, excellence is God's best in context. And then this next phrase, hang on to this, always walking in the way of love, pursuing kingdom priorities. If you put those two there, there is no escaping. We're not going to do this if we're not walking in love. We're not going to do this if it's not a kingdom priority. See, excellence is God's best in context, always walking in the way of love, pursuing kingdom priorities. And what does it look like? What does a culture of believers, what does a leadership culture, what does a culture here in, in, at Grace and Peace in Ocean County look like as we pursue this? What, what might we feel the effects of saying we're going to do this together? We probably need to become aware that the strength of our individual personality is not going to excuse us for being rude or abrasive. Right? We can be gifted by God, but still very ineffective in the kingdom if we, don't, if we aren't aware of the way our strengths interact with the strengths of others. We complement one another. We don't compete against one another. It's not always going to be about your gift leading the way. It's ebbing and flowing. It's moving together as a living Holy Spirit, God-breathed organism. Amen. You know, in the name of excellence, and I've done this when I was a greenhorn in ministry, I just, I would hold really unreasonable high standards for those around me. And I wouldn't let them off the hook if they didn't achieve that. You know, that just breaks people. It's not a gracious way to set a pathway and a road for achievement. And it certainly isn't walking in love. So the question becomes, can we hold high standards? Absolutely. Yet be gracious and flexible. Everybody say Gumby. Gumby was flexible. We need to be flexible. Semper Gumby, right? Can we maybe at times ease off our gifts enough to make room for others who have other, who have other gifts? It's easy to dominate a room, especially when you've been called to something you feel comfortable with. Let's listen and look and say, who's God calling alongside of us? Who, ha who hasn't risen to the front yet? Who, who is God not using? Who do we need to discover? Who do we need to train? Who do we need to release? How can we complement each other? And I think there's some questions that can help us crystallize all of this. What has God given you? Look, just look around you, the people around you. What, what time has God given you? What talent has God given you? What treasure, what resources has he entrusted you with? 
More specifically, what has he entrusted us with? So fill-in number 10 is this. Excellence stewards what you have been given in terms of location, people, and resources. You know what? It's great to be inspired by what other people are doing. It's great to be inspired by other successes. But don't look beyond where you are, where God has called you to, and what he wants you to do right here, right now, with this people, right place, right time, doing the right things with the right people. Look, I get it. At times, we get frustrated with one another. Y'all probably don't like me half the time. That's fine. And, and sometimes we're like, God, really? What am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with this situation? How come, how come I don't have more of this? How come I don't have more of that? Let's stop looking at what we don't have and let's start looking around at who we do have, what we have. Let's see the good in one another. Let's pull out the, the, the gold in one another. Praise God. You know, excellence isn't necessarily the mega church model. Listen, excellence is who God wants us to be in our context, with our resources, with the people he's called here, with the emphasis on our local vision, with our legacy, both in our present and for our future. It isn't chasing another model. It isn't chasing another program. It's answering this question. What is God's model? What is God's program for us? Number 11, excellence honors both God's now word and his forever word. If you want to be excellent, if you want to walk in the way of love, there's, a, there's got to be this understanding that, hey, if you hear someone talk about what God is speaking now and it violates his eternal word, guess what? They're wrong about the now word or they're out of the timing with the now word or they're out of the context with the now word or they're out of alignment with his eternal word. Is this making sense? It's, it's something we stumble upon and we need to get better at. I need to live my life based on the eternal truths of God's word and I'm not gonna use what I think he's saying to me now uh, to leverage uh, my platform or my promotion or my pos position to, to him who has ears to hear. Uh, let him hear today. His strategy, his specific plan of action, the methods change, right? The message doesn't. The way, the when of his miraculous unfolding, he's going to do miraculous things here. And if we just hold him to the, well, you got to do it exactly like you did it yesterday. He's going to change those things, but his eternal word won't change. Enough said on that? Hey, I've seen, I've seen too many people bully their way into the kingdom in the name of God's calling. God said this. We've seen too much division and strife over politics, amen? Culture wars, generational challenges, right? Insulting one another's generational perspectives. Uh, and it's all not God's way. It's to the detriment of the whole counsel of God. And that's far from excellence. Amen. I'm gonna finish now. I want to tell you a story that's, that shares a good example of how God doesn't always do it our way. He doesn't do it in the way that we think he, uh, we want him to, right? So there was this legendary winning team 
a dynasty. Raise your hand if your Super Bowl team won. <laughs> a few of you. <laughs> How many of you didn't care who was in the Super Bowl? Uh, a few. Yeah. So that word dynasty, right? That's when a team wins and wins and wins and does. So this is, this is the story of a winning dynasty, if you will. But they had fallen into a slump. They were resting on the victories of the past. And, and they were now faced with a huge opponent, a huge, uh, a huge formidable opponent of the century. Now, this particular team, they were no strangers to victory and excellence. In fact, there were people and, and individuals on this team, you could say that they were experts among experts. They were excellent at what they did. They were excellent at playing, playing their positions. But overconfidence, arrogance, disunity, flat-out apathy, lack of discipline had set into this team. And frankly, they deserved to be defeated in this upcoming challenge on the field of play. But the coach did something right. He sought counsel from the owner. He apologized for the misdeeds of the team, the slacking off, the lack of discipline, the loss of focus and passion they once had. And so he called the whole team together and said, we need to come to the place where we recognize and express contrition and sincerity over our wrongdoing. So they did that. So now the, the big day approaches. And the coach kept searching, well, what's going to be our winning strategy now that we're all on the same page? And in the final hours before the big, big game day, uh, the owner told the coach, here's the, here's the winning strategy. Now, if I told you, you'd think this was absolutely crazy. When the team heard the strategy, they all started murmuring and complaining. Oh, no. What? We're going to do what? We never put those people in that, in that way, on that, on that play, in that, in that particular context. What is the coach thinking? We need our A players. We need everyone in the right place in their area of specialty. We need to be excellent like we've always been excellent. We're going to get beat if we, if we implement this strategy. But the coach did it anyway. He put those unlikely people in unlikely positions. And you know what happened? They won. It was a total annihilation of the opponent. The opposition didn't stand a chance. It went down as one of the greatest victories on the competitive field of play. If you want to read the story, you can go to Second Chronicles. And here's the ending. It's the the people of Israel went into battle and they put the worshipers in the front. What a dumb thing to do, huh? <laughs> Sounds like they're going to get beat. And here's what happened, Second Chronicles 20, 22. As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab in Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Listen, God's way is always the best way. And it's certainly not our way. And he'll use people you don't think he might have should have used. He'll use strategies you think, ah, I just wouldn't have done it that way. But for this particular battle, this was God's best. This is what the people of God needed. And this was following the way of excellence in the kingdom. And you know what? There's one, our Lord and Savior Jesus who didn't do things the way we would have done them. 
He didn't usher in an earthly kingdom at the time. He didn't work for political power. He didn't call a legion of angels to take him off the cross, defeat and vanquish all his enemies. He did the exact opposite of what any highly strategic person would have told him to do to usher in the kingdom. He gave up his life. He became the sacrifice for your sin, for my sin, for the sins of the world. And you know what, church? He's inviting us to follow him in that way today, in the way of excellence, the way of love. Can we say yes to excellence today? Let's pray and I'll, I'll close. Father, I come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you that love is the excellent way and that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, has modeled that way. I ask God if there's anyone here today who's just now coming to the realization that I have never accepted what Jesus did for me. I have never uh, declared that Jesus is Lord. I've never confessed that God the Father raised him from the dead and my sins are forgiven. I've never confessed my sins and asked to be washed clean. I want to invite you to do that today. Church, if you're already a spirit-filled believer, there might be some things that the Holy Spirit is saying. You've got a few ways that I just want you to let go of today. And I want to invite you into a deeper level of walking in my way. And so whoever you are, to, to whatever situation, accepting Christ for the first time, desiring to, to forsake any way that you have, right now just make that transaction. Lord, we receive your way. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. Lord, I repent of my way. I repent of the ways that I've missed it, the ways I've missed it uh, with you every day, Lord. And God, that this congregation would embrace and walk in all our cultural pillars of excellence, but that, uh, of, of an inspired culture, every single one of them, including uh, this pillar of excellence today, Lord. Just renew our minds to the truth of your word. Strengthen us, empower us by your spirit to walk this way. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. amen. Hey, if you made a decision today for Jesus, if you made a decision to follow him and you want further prayer, please come down front for prayer. If you're newer to us, been here a week or two or three and haven't said hello, the welcome room, uh, we'll, we'll say hello to you back there. So God bless you, you're released. Have an amazing day.